This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. The best friend is the one who never leaves you, even when everybody else does. The best friend is the one who knows what to say each time and each occasion. Your best friend is the one who knows how to comfort you when you need comfort, how to correct you when you need correction, how to bring you under conviction when you sin, how to encourage you when you need encouragement, how to strengthen you when you need strength, how to speak on your behalf when you can't speak for yourself, how to pray for you when you can't pray for yourself, how to counsel you when you need counseling, how to cleanse you when you mess up. Now, this is just a partial list of my best friend, the Holy Spirit. And the truth is this, there is no human being on the face of the earth that can match this list. And if you try to place your hope and your trust and the expectations on a human being of all of this, you will be disappointed. Because of this reason, Jesus said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of every believer. I think it was Mother Teresa who once said that the biggest disease today is not leprosy or cancer, but it is the feeling of being uncared for, unwanted, and being deserted and alone. No wonder the Lord Jesus Christ said to the disciples, He said, I will not leave you orphans but I'll send you the counsel. I'll send you the comforter. I'll send you the paraclete. Believers are given the most perfect best friend that they could ever hope to have. The problem is this. Listen carefully. Here's the problem. Not all believers understand or know the role of God, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity in their lives. Not all of them. In fact, there is so much misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. There's so much confusion. There's so much ignorance about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So much so that some people just gave up and don't want to know Him. And that's a tragedy. But that even leads to a bigger problem. Not to know, love, worship, and adore the Holy Spirit of God is like missing out on knowing your greatest and best friend that you could ever know in your life. And that is why I'm going to take time in the next several messages that I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you who He is and what He does to help you not only believe in the Holy Spirit, but fall in love with Him all over again. That's for the believers. It's for the believers. Somebody may be sitting here saying, well, you know, I really have not yet received Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I'm, I'm looking and I'm examining and I'm searching, but I really have not. He's not my only Savior yet. Don't switch off, <laughs> because if you do not know the Holy Spirit, you will know Him by the end of this series of messages. The Holy Spirit of God for the one who yet to believe is constantly trying to speak to you. 
He's constantly knocking on the door of your heart and in your mind. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to speak to you. He is trying to bring you under conviction. You say, what kind of a conviction? Conviction that you may come to God the Father through God the Son, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is trying to convict you of the fact that you have fallen short of God's standards, that you have come under conviction to know that on your own you will never, never, never be accepted by God the Father or even get into heaven because only Jesus can get you to God the Father. Only Jesus can make you acceptable to God the Father. Only Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. Only Jesus Christ can make it possible for you to relate to the almighty, all-powerful Creator God. And my prayer is this, that just as the believers are going to be elated and delighted to know the Holy Spirit of God, the Comforter, who dwells on the inside of them, those who yet to believe will discover that God the Holy Spirit wants you to come and believe, to come and experience what millions of people have experienced throughout generations. He knocks on the door of your heart and He says to you, Jesus loves you, and He does want to forgive your sins. And then when He doesn't hear from you, He knocks again. And he says, turn to him and repent. He wants to forgive you. And then when he doesn't hear from you, he knocks again. Come and receive the gift of eternal life. And he keeps on knocking on the door of your heart until you come to the point of realization, oh, Lord, I am a sinner. Oh, Lord, I have fallen short of your standards. Oh, Lord, I can never be accepted to God the Father without what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. Indeed, He is my only Savior. He is the only one who can forgive my sins. I need that only Savior to deliver me from my death. And then, The next step, after you make that confession, He comes in and He dwells in you. As He forgives your sins, the Holy Spirit, Jesus' greatest gift, your best friend, comes and dwells on the inside of you. At that point, after He brought you to the point of conviction, He dwells in you to lead you and to guide you and to convict you and to comfort you and to encourage you and to walk with you and to give you peace even in the midst of troubled waters of this life. Now, I want to make a confession to you about a struggle that I had as I'm preparing this series of messages on the Holy Spirit. By calling Him your best friend, my best friend, I'm risking something. I am risking humanizing this third member of the Trinity, and I don't want to fall in that trap. Today, we live in a time when there are so many well-meaning books out there selling by the bucketful, by the truckloads, books that are in their desire to make God relevant to us humans. They brought God so low into the human point of view. They brought Him so low that He is not the God of the Bible. Let me tell you about some examples of one of the best-selling books. says that God does not know the future. 
Another good-selling book among Christians is a book that says God takes risks on you, and you can take risks too. One of the most popular books around, under the guise of fiction, that book called The Shack, that book had a man who is in his deep grief over the loss of his daughter, and who would not have a broken heart over that story? But under the guise of fiction, this man gets an invitation to meet with the Holy Trinity in the same shack where his daughter was murdered. Who and what is that Trinity that he encounters? God the Father is an African-American woman. Jesus is a middle-aged man with Middle Eastern appearance. The Holy Spirit is an Asian woman named Sario. Now, I'm going to say more about this in the next message, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, the Apostle Paul said that we know Jesus after the flesh no more. He is glorified in heaven. His body is in a glorified body. He's no longer in that weak human body that hung on that cross. Even John the Revelator, when he had an encounter with the risen Christ, John, who was described as a disciple whom Jesus loved, John, who leaned his head on the shoulder of Jesus, when he saw the glorified Jesus, he fell on his face, and he hardly recognized Him because of the majesty and the splendor in which Jesus is right now. The disciples from Emmaus after the resurrection hardly could recognize Jesus. Why? Because we know Him after the flesh no more. In our desire to make Jesus known to people, cut Him down to size, to our size, sometimes even below our size. As I said, I'm going to say more about this in the next message. He Jesus is glorified in heaven, reigning and ruling supreme in the universe. Even with our own eyes, we can't see it, but with the eyes of faith, we can. He is majestic in His appearance. He is mighty in His glory. He is robed in splendor and righteousness. He is the all-powerful God. He is the almighty God. He alone is worthy of worship and praise and adoration. Give Him praise. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that toward the end of time, there's going to be subtlety. There's going to be subtlety in deception. The deception is going to be so subtle. Jesus said, not me, that even some of the elect, some of His own people, some of His children, some of belong to His bride, the, the church, will be misled and will be taken captives by these subtlety of these misguided false truth that looks good, but it's not good. And the tragedy of all tragedies is that so many Christians across the churches, even in this area, are falling in these travesties. They are falling in these heresies. They are falling in these subtle deceptions simply because they have never taken time to learn biblical truth. And so when it comes to the Holy Spirit, which is the subject I'm going to introduce to you today, when it comes to the Holy Spirit of God, many people think of Him as a mere force in the universe. And they talk about Him as such, as just a mere influence 
in the universe, as mere power that can be used at will. Others refer to him as it. Don't ever refer to the Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, as it. It's he. Jesus talks about him in the masculine pronoun. Others merely recite in their religious creeds, in the liturgy, I believe in the Holy Spirit. It's like, I believe in cars. I believe in motorcycles. The Holy Spirit of God is a divine person of infinite majesty who dwells and to take possessions of the believers here on earth. He is a divine person who does the work of the Father and the Son here on earth. He is a divine person who has no body of his own. That is why he dwells in the believers. He is a divine person, the third member of the Trinity, who helps us who have finite mind to relate to the infinite God, the creator of the universe. Well, what constitute a person? What constitute a personality? A person has an intellect. He has a mind. A person has a will. And a person has emotions. And the Bible teaches, listen, beloved, listen carefully, the Bible teaches that God, the Holy Spirit, has all of these. He is a person who hears. He is a person who speaks. He's a person who witnesses. He's a person who convicts. He's a person who glorifies Christ. And that's why when we sing about the Holy Spirit, we say, glorify His name. Jesus said that He will glorify my name. He is a person who leads and guides. He is a person who touches and He commands. He's a person who forbids. He's a person who comforts. He's a person who intercedes. And above all, the Holy Spirit has the capacity to fellowship with us mortals. The Holy Spirit relates to our spirit. I'm going to say more about this in the coming days. Let's look at the three components of the personality of the Holy Spirit. Three components. The Bible speaks of the heart of the spirit. That's emotion. The Bible speaks of the mind of the spirit. That's his intellect. And the Bible speaks of the will of the spirit. That is the execution of the decision that's already made by the mind. First is the heart, which is the seat of emotion. In Romans 15:30, the Bible speaks of the love of the Spirit. He is the Spirit of love. Without love, He cannot comfort us. Did you get that? In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says that they walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And when there is love, there's always grief. Whenever there is love, there's always grief. Hear me right on this one. Only a loving person can experience grief. Grief is experienced when love is rejected and scorned. Grief is experienced when love is ignored and forsaken. Grief is experienced when love is taken for granted. Grief is experienced when love is met with selfishness. Grief is experienced when love is misunderstood. Grief is experienced when love is not appreciated and comprehended. And that is why Ephesians 4.30 says, the Holy Spirit gets grieved very easily. I wonder 
how many of God's children, those who love Jesus, are grieving the Holy Spirit right now, are grieving the Holy Spirit right now because of sin, because of disobedience, because of self-will. We grieve Him. When there is love, there's grieving. When there is no love, there's no grieving. Secondly, the Holy Spirit of God has a mind. The mind is the seat and the source of intelligence. It's the seat and the source of reasoning and knowledge. With our minds, we think. With our minds, we plan. With our minds, we organize. With our minds, we devise. And with our minds, we comprehend. And Romans 8.27 talks about the mind of the Holy Spirit. He has His own mind. And the mind of the Spirit is also described in 1 Corinthians 2.10 and 11, that He is the Spirit of wisdom. Thirdly, there is the will of the Holy Spirit. Our will expresses our thoughts, right? Our will is the full expression of our desires and our thoughts. It is the same with the person of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit commands Philip, go and meet the Ethiopian eunuch. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 19, the Holy Spirit exercises authority over Peter. And in Acts 16, 6 and 7, the Holy Spirit restrains Paul. And Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, He does not act independently of the Godhead, the Father and the Son. Why? Because there is only one God. The Muslims accuse us of worshiping three gods. We don't worship three gods. We worship one God. Three persons have different assignment, have different tasks, but nonetheless, one God, one mind, one heart in the Godhead. And the person of the Holy Spirit is totally one with the Father and the Son. No separation. There is only one mind, there's only one will, there's only one heart. And the will and the mind of the Father and the Son in the Godhead are in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit. After all, He is the Spirit of Jesus. (laughs) That's what the Holy Spirit… He is the Spirit of Jesus. I want to illustrate this to you because in the Hebrew language… There's one word, and that word is ruach, and it means wind, it means breath, as I take breath, that's the same word as the wind, and it means spirit, same thing, same meaning. So in the beginning of the book of Genesis, we said the Spirit of God was blowing on the earth, that was the wind blowing. But then, also it's a breath, it's a breath of Jesus. Imagine, without my spirit, I'm trying to preach to you, okay? This is how it's going to come out. Okay, did you get it? But then, when my spirit gets going and I start talking to you, you will hear what I want to say. You will hear how I'm expressing myself. And that is the spirit of Jesus. He basically takes what Jesus said and he speaks it to us. Listen carefully. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, therefore our relationship with him is very personal. It's very personal. You know, We often say that a man is known by the company he keeps. We say that. A man is known by the company he keeps. And I can tell you, you can always tell the man or the woman who is keeping the company of the Holy Spirit. 
You can always tell. You can always tell. He said, how? Ah, they will manifest the fruit of the Spirit. They will reflect the peace and the joy and the serenity of the Holy Spirit. They are able to discern what is right and what is wrong. They are not easily misled into heretical teaching and heretical books. Uh, They will exhibit a God-centered, God-honoring, and God-glorifying characteristics. Why? Because they keep in company with the Holy Spirit. So, for example, if you see somebody who's constantly in a state of strife, somebody who's constantly in a state of insubordination, or constantly in a state of anger, constantly in a state of self-will, constantly in a state of bitterness, constantly in a, in a state of being critical in, in critical spirit. Now, these are evidence that that person is not walking and fellowshipping in the Holy Spirit. These are signs that that person may have grieved the Holy Spirit long time ago and have gone to business for themselves. These are the signs that the Holy Spirit, who's given to us by Jesus, is grieving in a corner of your life somewhere. The Holy Spirit is given to us by Jesus so that we may know Jesus. He reveals Jesus to us. How does He reveal Jesus to us? By telling us, you know, Jesus is this and Jesus is that and your idea of Jesus and my idea of Jesus and Dr. Smell Fungus' idea of Jesus and, and this person's idea of Jesus. No, no. The Holy Spirit of God authored the Bible. It's written over 1,500, 1,600 years. People of different backgrounds and different professions, different periods in history, different locations, but they're all giving us the same message. That is why there is no book in the world like it. There is no book in the world like it. You will never find another book like it. It is a unity because the Holy Spirit authored that book. And when you read that book, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, is going to open your eyes, going to reveal Jesus to you from the pages of the book. I'm going to say more about that again, because that's of uttermost importance. People say, oh, these Christians worship a book. God is not imprisoned in a book. Listen, God chose to reveal Himself in that book, and that's good enough for me. When you know the Holy Spirit, you're going to know Jesus, because His number one task is to reveal Jesus to you from the pages of the Scripture. And that is why the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit, said He is the Spirit of truth. He is the Spirit of holiness. He is the Spirit of life. He is the Spirit of adoption. He is the Spirit of faith. He is the Spirit of praise. He is the Spirit of wisdom and discernment. He is the Spirit of power and discipline. He is the Spirit of grace. He is the Spirit of glory. He is the Spirit, the comforter. And therefore, any sermon, any preacher, any book that does not glorify the Jesus in the book is not the Holy Spirit of God. Did you get that? It is not of the Holy Spirit of God. Anything that denies that Jesus and Jesus alone is going to make you acceptable to God the Father and therefore forgive your sins and therefore assure you of heaven is not of the Holy Spirit. 
It's a fake spirit. It's a counterfeit spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's task is to glorify Jesus. And these other spirits who may claim to be Christians, oh, a lot of people claim to be Christians these days, they may claim to be Christians, but if they glorify man and not God, they are fake, they are imitation, they are counterfeit. Ah, but not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And that's how you know if it is the Holy Spirit or a fake spirit. Let me tell you this as I conclude. This story is a true story. And it's a story told about a rabbi. This rabbi had been a professor of Talmud at a Hebrew seminary in Tel Aviv for many years, and he hated Jesus. This rabbi hated Jesus with passion, and so great was his resentment that he verbally abused this Jewish convert for reading the New Testament in Hebrew. So the young man's reply to this verbal abuse was to give him a gift, the New Testament in the Hebrew language. The rabbi takes the book, and he decides to read it. And he stayed up to 3 a.m. reading the New Testament in Hebrew, reading about this Nazarene who claimed to be the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit of God guided him in all truth So he would later confess that I have already found more than 200 references in the New Testament that prove beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus is truly the Messiah. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us to discover the truth as it is only in Jesus. He indwells the believer. But the question, beloved friend, I want to leave you with this. It's a question that I ask myself on a regular basis. Please listen carefully. I'm getting ready to conclude. Are you grieving the Holy Spirit right now? Are you grieving the Holy Spirit right now? Are you allowing your disobedience and rebellion against the Word of God grieve the Holy Spirit inside of you? Or are you welcoming Him in obedience? Is he pushed out in a corner somewhere in your life while you're running your own life? Or is he occupying his rightful place in you? I pray that you'll never rest until you answer that question. For if you have grieved him, you can always ask for his forgiveness. Welcome him back. We sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, say... You are welcome in my heart. And He will come and He will stir up on you a new and fresh love for the Lord Jesus Christ and that you be so excited about the Christian life and not the humdrum of one day you're feeling up and one day you're feeling down as the Holy Spirit of God daily fills you. You will live in victory. And you can do that as we pray. Shall we pray together? Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come with power and strength because you do not come to just visit. You come to take over. And so we ask you to take over. And Father, I rejoice in the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Thank you for sending him, Lord Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for sending him. Thank you that he is our best friend. We praise you for the Holy Spirit, O God, in Jesus' name.